Section 1 of The Plain Speaker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Gonzalez. The Plain Speaker Opinions on Books, Men, and Things by William Hazlitt. Section 1 On the Prose Style of Poets. Part 1 do you read or sing if you sing you sing very ill i have but an indifferent opinion of the prose style of poets not that it is not sometimes good nay excellent but it is never the better and generally the worse from the habit of writing verse poets are winged animals and can cleave the air like birds with ease to themselves and delight to the beholders but like those feathered two-legged things when they light upon the ground of prose and matter of fact they seem not to have the same use of their feet what is a little extraordinary there is a want of rhythmus and cadence in what they write without the help of metrical rules like persons who have been accustomed to sing to music they are at a loss in the absence of the habitual accompaniment and guide to their judgment their style halts totters is loose disjointed and without expressive pauses or rapid movements the measured cadence and regular sing-song of rhyme or blank verse have destroyed as it were their natural ear for the mere characteristic harmony which ought to subsist between the sound and the sense i should almost guess the author of waverley to be a writer of ambling verses from the desultory vacillation and want of firmness in the march of his style there is neither momentum nor elasticity in it i mean as to the score or effect upon the ear he has improved since in his other works to be sure he has had practice enough poets either get into this incoherent undetermined shuffling style made up of unpleasing flats and sharps of unaccountable starts and pauses of doubtful odds and ends flirted about like straws in a gust of wind or to avoid it and steady themselves mount into a sustained and measured prose like the translation of ossian's poems or some parts of shaftesbury's characteristics which is more odious still and as bad as being at sea in a calm dr johnson's style particularly in his rambler is not free from the last objection there is a tune in it a mechanical recurrence of the same rise and fall in the clauses of his sentences independent of any reference to the meaning of the text or progress or inflection of the sense there is the alternate roll of his cumbrous cargo of words his periods complete their revolutions at certain stated intervals let the matter be longer or shorter rough or smooth round or square different or the same this monotonous and balanced mode of composition may be compared to that species of portrait painting which prevailed about a century ago in which each face was cast in a regular and preconceived mould the eyebrows were arched mathematically as if with a pair of compasses and the distances between the nose and mouth the forehead and chin determined according to a foregone conclusion and the features of the identical individual were afterwards accommodated to them how they could horn took used to maintain that no one could write a good prose style 
who was not accustomed to express himself viva voce or to talk in company he argued that this was the fault of addison's prose and that its smooth equable uniformity and want of sharpness and spirit arose from his not having familiarized his ear to the sound of his own voice or at least only among his friends and admirers where there was but little collision dramatic fluctuation or sudden contrariety of opinion to provoke animated discussion and give birth to different intonations and lively transitions of speech his style in this view of it was not indented nor did it project from the surface there was no stress laid on one word more than another it did not hurry on or stop short or sink or swell with the occasion it was throughout equally insipid flowing and harmonious it had the effect of a studied recitation rather than of a natural discourse this would not have happened so the member for old sarum contended had addison laid himself out to argue at his club or to speak in public for then his ear would have caught the necessary modulations of sound arising out of the feeling of the moment and he would have transferred them unconsciously to paper much might be said on both sides of this question but mr took was himself an unintentional confirmation of his own argument for the tone of his written compositions is as flat and unraised as his manner of speaking was hard and dry of the poet it is said by some one that he murmurs by the running brooks a music sweeter than their own on the contrary the celebrated person just alluded to might be said to grind the sentences between his teeth which he afterwards committed to paper and threw out crusts to the critics or bon mots to the electors of westminster as we throw bones to the dogs without altering a muscle and without the smallest tremulousness of voice or eye i certainly so far agree with the above theory as to conceive that no style is worth a farthing that is not calculated to be read out or that is not allied to spirited conversation but i at the same time think the process of modulation and inflection may be quite as complete or more so without the external enunciation and that an author had better try the effect of his sentences on his stomach than on his ear he may be deceived by the last not by the first no person i imagine can dictate a good style or spout his own compositions with impunity in the former case he will flounder on before the sense or words are ready sooner than suspend his voice in air and in the latter he can supply what intonation he pleases without consulting his readers parliamentary speeches sometimes read well aloud but we do not find when such persons sit down to write that the prose style of public speakers and great orators is the best most natural or varied of all others it has almost always either a professional twang a mechanical rounding off or else is stunted and unequal charles fox was the most rapid and even hurried of speakers but his written style halts and creeps slowly along the ground a speaker is necessarily kept within bounds in expressing certain things or in pronouncing a certain number of words by the limits of the breath or power of respiration certain sounds are observed to join in harmoniously or happily with others an emphatic phrase 
must not be placed where the power of utterance is enfeebled or exhausted etc all this must be attended to in writing and will be so unconsciously by a practised hand or there will be hiatus in manuscriptis the words must be so arranged in order to make an efficient readable style as to come trippingly off the tongue hence it seems that there is a natural measure of prose in the feeling of the subject and the power of expression in the voice as there is an artificial one of verse in the number and coordination of the syllables and i conceive that the trammels of the last do not where they have been long worn greatly assist the freedom or the exactness of the first again in poetry from the restraints in many respects a greater number of inversions or a latitude in the transposition of words is allowed which is not conformable to the strict laws of prose consequently a poet will be at a loss and flounder about for the common or as we understand it natural order of words in prose composition dr johnson endeavoured to give an air of dignity and novelty to his diction by affecting the order of words usual in poetry milton's prose has not only this drawback but it has also the disadvantage of being formed on a classic model it is like a fine translation from the latin and indeed he wrote originally in latin the frequency of epithets and ornaments too is a resource for which the poet finds it difficult to obtain an equivalent a direct or simple prose style seems to him bald and flat and instead of forcing an interest in the subject by severity of description and reasoning he is repelled from it altogether by the absence of those obvious and meretricious allurements by which his senses and his imagination have been hitherto stimulated and dazzled thus there is often at the same time a want of splendour and a want of energy in what he writes without the invocation of the muse in vita minerva it is like setting a rope dancer to perform a tumbler's tricks the hardness of the ground jars his nerves or it is the same thing as a painter's attempting to carve a block of marble for the first time the coldness chills him the colourless uniformity distracts him the precision of form demanded disheartens him so in prose writing the severity of composition required damps the enthusiasm and cuts off the resources of the poet he is looking for beauty when he should be seeking for truth and aims at pleasure which he can only communicate by increasing the sense of power in the reader the poet spreads the colours of fancy the illusions of his own mind round every object ad libitum the prose writer is compelled to extract his materials patiently and bit by bit from his subject what he adds of ornament what he borrows from the pencil must be sparing and judiciously inserted the first pretends to nothing but the immediate indulgence of his feelings the last has a remote practical purpose the one strolls out into the adjoining fields or groves to gather flowers the other has a journey to go sometimes through dirty roads and at others through untrodden and difficult ways it is this effeminacy this immersion in sensual ideas or craving after continual excitement that spoils the poet for his prose tasks he cannot wait till the effect comes of itself or arises out of the occasion 
he must force it upon all occasions or his spirit droops and flags under a supposed imputation of dullness he can never drift with the current but is always hoisting sail and has his streamers flying he has got a striking simile on hand he lugs it in with the first opportunity and with little connection and so defeats his object he has a story to tell he tells it on the first page and where it would come in well has nothing to say like goldsmith who having to wait upon a noble lord was so full of himself and of the figure he should make that he addressed a set speech which he had studied for the occasion to his lordship's butler and had just ended as the nobleman made his appearance the prose ornaments of the poet are frequently beautiful in themselves but do not assist the subject they are pleasant excrescences hindrances not helps in an argument the reason is his embellishments in his own walk grow out of the subject by natural association that is beauty gives birth to kindred beauty grandeur leads the mind on to greater grandeur but in treating a common subject the link is truth force of illustration weight of argument not a graceful harmony in the immediate ideas and hence the obvious and habitual clue which before guided him is gone and he hangs on his patchwork tinsel finery at random in despair without propriety and without effect the poetical prose writer stops to describe an object if he admires it or thinks it will bear to be dwelt on the genuine prose writer only alludes to or characterizes it in passing and with reference to his subject the prose writer is master of his materials the poet is the slave of his style everything showy everything extraneous tempts him and he reposes idly on it he is bent on pleasure not on business he aims at effect at captivating the reader and yet is contented with commonplace ornaments rather than none indeed this last result must necessarily follow where there is an ambition to shine without the effort to dig for jewels in the mine of truth the habits of a poet's mind are not those of industry or research his images come to him he does not go to them and in prose subjects and dry matters of fact and close reasoning the natural stimulus that at other times warms and rouses deserts him altogether he sees no unhallowed visions he is inspired by no day-dreams all is tame literal and barren without the nine nor does he collect his strength to strike fire from the flint by the sharpness of collision by the eagerness of his blows he gathers roses he steals colors from the rainbow he lives on nectar and ambrosia he treads the primrose path of dalliance or ascends the highest heaven of invention or falls flat to the ground he is nothing if not fanciful i shall proceed to explain these remarks as well as i can by a few instances in point it has always appeared to me that the most perfect prose style the most powerful the most dazzling the most daring that which went the nearest to the verge of poetry and yet never fell over was burke's it has the solidity and sparkling effect of the diamond all other fine writing is like french paste or bristol stones in the comparison burke's style is airy flighty adventurous 
but it never loses sight of the subject nay is always in contact with and derives its increased or varying impulse from it it may be said to pass yawning gulfs on the unsteadfast footing of a spear still it has an actual resting-place and tangible support under it it is not suspended on nothing it differs from poetry as i conceive like the chamois from the eagle it climbs to an almost equal height touches upon a cloud overlooks a precipice is picturesque sublime but all the while instead of soaring through the air it stands upon a rocky cliff clambers up by abrupt and intricate ways and browses on the roughest bark or crops the tender flower the principle which guides his pen is truth not beauty not pleasure but power he has no choice no selection of subject to flatter the reader's idle taste or assist his own fancy he must take what comes and make the most of it he works the most striking effects out of the most uncompromising materials by the mere activity of his mind he rises with the lofty, descends with the mean, luxuriates in beauty, gloats over deformity. It is all the same to him, so that he loses no particle of the exact, characteristic, extreme impression of the thing he writes about, and that he communicates this to the reader, after exhausting every possible mode of illustration, plain or abstracted, figurative or literal whatever stamps the original image more distinctly on the mind is welcome the nature of his task precludes continual beauty but it does not preclude continual ingenuity force originality he had to treat of political questions mixed modes abstract ideas and his fancy or poetry if you will was engrafted on these artificially and as it might sometimes be thought violently instead of growing naturally out of them as it would spring of its own accord from individual objects and feelings there is a resistance in the matter to the illustration applied to it the concrete and abstract are hardly coordinate and therefore it is that when the first difficulty is overcome they must agree more closely in the essential qualities in order that the coincidence may be complete otherwise it is good for nothing and you justly charge the author's style with being loose vague flaccid and imbecile the poet has been said to make us heirs of truth and pure delight in endless lays not so the prose writer who always mingles clay with his gold and often separates truth from mere pleasure he can only arrive at the last through the first in poetry one pleasing or striking image obviously suggests another the increasing the sense of beauty or grandeur is the principle of composition in prose the professed object is to impart conviction and nothing can be admitted by way of ornament or relief that does not add new force or clearness to the original conception the two classes of ideas brought together by the orator or impassioned prose writer to wit the general subject and the particular image are so far incompatible and the identity must be more strict more marked more determinate to make them coalesce to any practical purpose every word should be a blow every thought should instantly grapple with its fellow there must be a weight a precision a conformity from association in the tropes and figures of animated prose 
to fit them to their place in the argument and make them tell which may be dispensed with in poetry where there is something much more congenial between the subject matter and the illustration like beauty making beautiful old rhyme end of section one recording by bob gonzalez tampa florida